Hey everyone and welcome to episode 39 of the Red Card Report podcast. We've got a good show for you guys today. Not much going on in the world of soccer. Nothing spectacular going on in the world of soccer, but we've got a few topics to talk about. Mainly the Liverpool and Tottenham game that happened this past weekend. We're also going to be touching a little bit up on Ajax. And I believe we're going to touch up on the Portuguese league, mainly Benfica and Porto. And at the very end of today's episode, we're going to have some fan questions from Twitter that me, Rui, and Joe are going to be answering for you guys. But before we get started with all that, boys, how are you doing today? Episode number, Lucas Paqueta, <laughs> Joe. Dude, I, still, that's the weirdest number, man. I don't. I, it is what it is. I, yeah, I'm just wondering what the logic is. 39 for that will be a number everyone's going to be using from years to come. Do you think, is he going to pull a Frank Kessie and be like, I'm not changing my number ever? No, like, even if he's offered if a he new stays number. on the club, Hakan just needs to like get out of town, <laughs> go to the Primavera for a few months or whatever, just get your shit right, and kindly surrender that precious number 10 that Seedorf and Rui Costa and so many other legends at the club wore. Because if you look at that list, it's like, oh, Rui Costa, Seedorf, and then fucking Hakan. <laughs> So, so yeah, episode 39, boys. Did you guys watch any Halloween movies? I did not, no. I enjoy Halloween, but the last couple of years have been a little lame. Yeah, I didn't get to watch any, any horror movies. If there's one I could recommend, though, it would be Midsommar. If you guys haven't seen Midsommar, watch that. that I've never movie. even heard of that, to uh, be honest dude, with you. Dude, it is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like sweet. It, it's not in Swedish, it's English, but it takes place in sweden and the whole movie isn't during daylight it's the first horror movie i've ever seen that takes place entirely during the day really no nighttime sequences no it's insane yeah i'm not a big fan of horror movies especially like slasher films but the first three saw movies i thought were great great. Yeah, yeah the first one in particular was amazing and then you know the second and third ones were really good and after that they all kind of fell off yeah, they fell apart um but yeah, outside of that, not a huge fan of horror movies. Did you watch any? Yes, I did. What did you watch? The replay of Spall and Milan. Oh. <laughs> and then I watched Halloween. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. That's a class. I mean, the Milan one is way scarier. <laughs> it couldn't have been that bad, man. I didn't see it, though. It could be worse. It could be you worse. You got the but three it was. points. You got the three points, but it was still horrific. I, I, all the games in City Hour were kind of trash. Yeah, the midweek games. The midweek were... games. They're always hard anyway, because it's the middle of the week. Anyway, what should we do first, Dylan? All right, so the first thing I had was Tottenham and Liverpool. That was one of the bigger games that happened this week, and I figured might as well start with that. All right, cool. So as I'm sure most, most people know, uh, Liverpool and Tottenham faced off earlier uh, this past weekend, and Liverpool won 2-1. to one. Harry Kane Kicked things off really early in the first minute. Was able to put Tottenham up by one goal. But pretty much from there on out, it was all Liverpool. I really thought the Spurs like were going to turn around after that 5-0 win um, against Red Star Belgrade. You know, they, I did they too. They looked like themselves. And I know it's not a team of like so much quality. But they are, they are a tough team good. to play against. They're yeah. a decent squad. But they looked good. Mm-hmm. They looked really good. And it's just... It, you mean going from from the going, Champions League to this game? Yeah, going into good. this game, yeah. they look they looked great. They looked like their normal selves. They used their old formation. They were able to press. They were able to control the game. 
get out wide, create opportunities, but not so much in this game against Liverpool. I, I don't know if it was just another Klopp masterclass or if it was uh, just, you know, Spurs falling into themselves yet again. It, you got to wonder how much more work Pochettino can put into this squad and still try and expect results. Like I'm also thinking as like a board member, like how much more can I give this manager with the current setup or whatever and have him still get or replicate the results that he had last year, you know, getting to the Champions League final, maintaining top four, all that. Like, is it is that too much now? Should we be expecting less from Spurs? Yeah, I think the problem is going beyond beyond the board. I think it's going a little bit beyond Pochettino. The players' mentality. Like the squad. The squad, they just, they look exhausted. They look mentally defeated. They just don't want to be there. And they've just been playing. They've been training the same way, around the same players, doing the same, being told the same thing over and over again for four or five years already. All these players signed four or five-year contracts once they arrived. I think we know some of the ones in particular that are especially tired of the the atmosphere at Tottenham. Like, yeah, it, you know, Ericsson, uh, Alderweireld, Vertonghen. Yep, Danny guys. Rose. Danny Rose. Yeah, there's so many players, and it's just it's so frustrating. And I would be, I would be frustrated, too, if I were a Tottenham Spurs fan because... You have a great team. You've always had a good team. Always always performed well in the Champions League. Always finished in a respectable spot in the in the EPL. But you never got anything out of it. There was no trophies, no nothing. It's just so deflating when you have a talented squad and you're not really able to do much with it. Yeah, you went to the Champions League final. It was a sign of hope. And they deserve to be there because yeah, they did. the they competition really did. that they went against... They performed, you know, they how they played. Up. How they played against Manchester City was just fantastic. But it's amazing how, how, how much the mental state. I believe the mental state has really dropped with all the players, and it's not just one; it's practically all of them because all of them are underperforming this year. Yeah, and tying that in, I think it comes down to just a lack of not winning anything. Yeah, that's. That's the thing. The the you know how you we always talk about the spines of teams. You know the the try trying to build a good team. You start with a good spine, like a good goalkeeper, at least one good defender, good midfielder, blah blah blah. blah. I think that the spine of that team is just crumbling, and they're tired of not winning anything year after year. So, what do you guys think is? the bigger issue here? Do you think it's the players? Do you think it's Pochettino? And if you do think it's Pochettino, do you do you think that his future is in jeopardy based on Tottenham's performance this year so far? It's not a lack of motivation on Pochettino's part because he can only do so much. He's not on the field, you know? And I'm sure that he, every week, he's like, come on, boys, we really need to get our shit together. I think that it does rest on the shoulders of the players uh, at least in the in the playing sense, I'm the board is not exempt. They need to change their game plan. Yeah, I think so too. They thought I, what Tottenham's project, what they did, what they started about ten years ago or so. How they had this idea, and it's what their current project has been for the last 
10 years. What we've seen is exactly what they expected to be. And it worked out well. You know, they invested a lot of money in their training ground, which is one of the best in Europe. They invested was Good it point. over one, one billion dollars. Over one billion dollars on their new stadium, which is arguably the nicest stadium in Europe. And one thing that they were able to do was find the, all these young players and get them on long-term contracts. Now, the problem is, after such a long time being together and doing the same thing over and over again, being told by the manager the same things over and over and over again, it becomes tiring, especially when the results don't don't come in. You know, they do well. They, they finish great in the Champions League. They finish great in the league. They just don't bring it home the silverware. And it's like, they're working hard, they're playing well, but they're just not winning anything. And when you have that going on, you start to build a strain, like a mental strain within the locker room. And over the years, Tottenham have been very conservative when it comes to buying players. As we saw last yeah. year in 2018, they didn't spend a cent on anyone. They went almost a year and a half without buying anyone. So they were really just being conservative. And with that, a lot of the players felt that they were underpaid. They're not getting... You know, that also causes uh, strain and disturbances in the locker room and also a lack of fresh face, uh, fresh faces. And over the years, Pochettino did want to move a few players out and he wasn't able to because the board didn't allow it Mm -hmm. because they knew that if they were to sell players that didn't want to be there, they would have to bring in more. more. And now that now that Tottenham already made a name for itself, the new players would expect more more money. money. So. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, All right, but so, uh, I didn't. I wanted to answer the second part of your question. Okay, yeah, Dylan. Yeah, go. Is Pochettino's job in jeopardy? I don't think it's so much that his job is in jeopardy, but I think Poch should leave. I think that his time. I think his time at Spurs is yeah would, I, would be better if he just left now, not right now, but at the end of the season. I would give Poch until after. I would give him this entire season. See what he can do in the transfer window. See if he can ship out Erickson, a couple yeah. of other players that don't want to be there. Maybe Alderweireld, they can get some cash out of him. Bring in a few fresh faces. Maybe that's what the team needs. You know, a different identity, different um, a different characteristic. A just a refresh, different style of play. Maybe that could. Maybe that's the rejuvenation that Tottenham needs. Um, I'm sure that if he that, needs if it that too. doesn't work. It's not really Pochettino's fault. I think he can go somewhere else and do great things, but it's just not It's not the, the right setting for him yeah. anymore. It's not working. If all those players are still there. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that one, one way or another, something needs to change within that locker room, whether it's on uh, the coaching staff or whether it's on the players. Something's just not right there, and there, yep. need, there needs to be changes made in order to fix the situation. But switching up gears just a little bit here, so going from Tottenham now over to Liverpool... So, Liverpool obviously had a good game. Again, like we were saying, they won. They won two to one with a pretty powerful performance in the second half, particularly. I want to get your guys' thoughts on their performance in that game against Tottenham, and also they currently have a six-point lead over Man City. Is it too early to kind of, you know, it's way too early to predict a, a champion or to automatically crown someone? league champion but how do you guys how do you guys feel about their odds thus far and do you think that they'll be able to hold off man city uh, throughout the rest of the year you take it away really i want to hear what you got to say first yeah i think um liverpool have a great shot they have a great shot at um at finally bringing it home <laughs> their first ever premiership they have a great team they're picking up 
where they left off last year, unlike Tottenham. The way they played against Tottenham was like a complete reverse from the Champions League final. I'm not saying that Liverpool didn't deserve to win or they weren't the better team. It's just... That was a snore fest. They were, they were dominating them from all perspectives, all, all over the stat sheet. Possession, which Tottenham dominated in the final. Liverpool did a great job. That press, that Jurgen press, it's unbelievable how quick they win the ball back and how it disrupts so many great teams across Europe, how it disrupts their style of play. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's really hard. Right now, Liverpool's in the driver the, the driver's seat. Man City slipped a, f- uh, a few games this year that they really shouldn't have slipped, and it's going to cost them. Yep. Because I don't really see Liverpool slipping against anyone, and the way Klopp coaches this team, psychology, I feel, is like the number one thing with him, is to make sure the mental state of these players are on point, are on point. He wants to make sure they're happy. He wants to make sure that they're they're eating right, they're training right, everything. Yeah. They're, they're comfortable with the roles that they're in. He's doing everything that he's supposed to do, not just tactically or strategically wise, but being a coach and a man manager, he's doing it great. Because he sees Tottenham, he sees Manchester United, he does not want his club to turn into that. And we shall see how, how Manchester City end up being this year. Yeah, we got to see how they respond. Uh, the EPL is a tough one to call, man, because I honestly didn't see Man City dropping points. Um, but it can happen to anyone, which also means it could happen to Liverpool. This is their time to really capitalize and build that gap between them and Man City. And if they can just keep that form up, like you said, really, if if Jurgen can, you know, keep that psychology going, you know, all his players happy and keep doing what they're doing, they're going to stack up wins and it'll be very hard for Man City to come back. Because let's be honest, they're the, I don't want to say that they're the only real title challengers, but they're the ones that are, closest in caliber to um, Liverpool in terms of quality. So, yeah. All right, so moving on to the next topic, we've got Ajax. A great story this season because they obviously... A great story thus far this year because they've been able to maintain most of their success from the previous season. They were obviously very successful in the Champions League, and they're also at the top of the table um, in the Dutch League. Their most recent game was, Rui, if you can help me out here. Oh, Zwolle. Was it today? This, this Zwolle, afternoon. Yeah. yeah, this afternoon, yep. So Zwolle, or I don't know how to say it, but Zwolle. they won 4-2. They just keep pouring in goals. Yeah, do you know how many goals they have for them, like the team currently this season? I have n- just in the league or total? But it Just in, in the league. Eredivisie? Yeah. It's 39, 39 including goals. today's. Oh, yeah, including today's. 39 yeah. including today's. Nuts. Goal difference of thirty. Yeah, that's this no, they've team, led in nine goals so far this season. That's that's really that's stellar stuff. Yeah, and they're just coming off a huge, huge win against uh, Feyenoord over the weekend. Big right, derby. Big derby. Both teams hate each other. You know how the Dutch fans are. They are very, very passionate. The ultras are insane. They literally, they you know, um, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, one of our guests on the show a couple of episodes back, he actually has family out in in Netherlands, right in the Rotterdam, yeah, right. right in the Rotterdam area. Yeah, I remember and they're they're that. big uh, they're big Fire North fans, and he says literally these guys, they will not associate with anyone that likes Ajax. Yeah, that sounds like ultra. 
So the, the, they all have this like ultra mentality. So the, the the unfortunately for Feyenoord, they haven't been very good the last several years. Yeah. But the fire within the fan base is just, is still oh, there. Oh, it's still there. You can it see is replays still there. Obviously, the Eredivisie is not one of the top top leagues. But watching games like this is kind of like the same feeling you get when you're watching Boca Juniors and River play. It's just a f- an amazing two, atmosphere. Two big clubs. Two big clubs. Two historic clubs. And IX were just too much for them. The total, the total football with a little bit of that that Geigen German press that Eric Ten Hag picked up when he was at Bayern Munich. They're obviously not as good as they were last year, but he's done an amazing job finding new players and putting them in the right positions put, mm-hmm. to almost replicate like they were last year. They're not as, not quite the same. They're not but the same. Similar. But they're still very Very good, and I won't be surprised, I will not be surprised if they kind of sort of replicate their run in the Champions League like they did last year. That was going to be one of my next questions was, what are their chances of replicating their form from last year in in the Champions League? Yeah, well, Eric Ten Hag, he's done an amazing job, just like he did last year. He's done an amazing amazing job with all these young players and the new players that he was able to acquire in the offseason. Quincy Promise was a huge acquisition. He now plays the the Vanderbeek position. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So now Donny Vanderbeek dropped back and he's playing the Schreiner position. Okay. They picked up Lisandro Martinez, who's a young two-way type of player. He's, he's naturally a center back, kind of like what, um, well, I don't want to say Blind. Not young, yeah. But he, not like De Young, but he can play a he similar can do role. It. Him and Blind can play that similar role, and they can rotate in and out of that position. You know what's bizarre is that you list all those names of players on the field, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I know exactly where where they're gonna be in this system. That's how. What's the word I'm looking for? That's how ingrained this system is, and it's you know, working. And, and it's working. That's how epic this system is. Yeah, so basically the attack... If you up, really look at it. The attack up front is practically the same. Zayek, Tadic, Neres. Then you have Promise, who's a very, very solid player, who's a great fill-in for, uh, for uh, Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek drops back to the Schreiner position, and then they picked up a couple of good center, uh, center uh, midfielders. Uh, Marin is one of them from Romania, a, a young kid with a lot of talent, plays both ways. You know, he's got box a lot of energy, to, uh, a lot of energy, and you know he he can play, he can play however Eric uh, Eric um, Ten Hag wants him to, to play. Yeah. So they're adding a little bit more depth. The only thing is they don't have Delict and they don't have De Bruyne, who are just too. You mean De Jong? Yes, De Jong. I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. There, so yeah. All the all, <laughs> all these the names does. are throwing me off. So yeah. so De Jong and Delict. So it's just those two players were obviously their best players from last season. It's hard to 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 fill in those shoes, but I think Ten Hag with his tactical genius, he can find a way to extract their strengths and mitigate the 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 weaknesses of the team. Yeah, like we were saying, like I was saying before, it's been a very interesting story over the last couple of years with their great run in the Champions League last year, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they can do moving forward in this season and seeing how far they can go uh, in this year's Champions League tournament. But uh, moving on to the next topic, we haven't touched on the Portuguese league 
maybe ever, to be completely honest. Shame with on you. us. No, maybe I we, once. I mean, he, maybe little tidbits here and there. We, I think we've talked about Porto and Benfica in the Champions League, you know, very like individually. But I don't think we've ever touched on the on the Portuguese league as a as a complete topic. So, kind of interested to get into this one this week. Um, Benfica is currently sitting at the top of the table, just two points ahead of Porto. Benfica, very much like Ajax, they've won five out of their last five league games, although they haven't played well at all in the Champions League. And by by that, I mean they've played like shit in the Champions League. Um, they've played very well in the league. Porto's not that much better in Europe, and they're playing in the <laughs> Europa League, which is very shocking because Porto yeah. usually does very well in the Champions League. But this year... I was going to say... You know, fresh faces. I'm surprised to hear that. Fresh faces that uh, Porto picked up, and they let go quite a few key players. Brahimi, yes, Philippe, Hector Herrera, Militão. Uh, Militão, so many crucial players from over the years. You know, they're not there, and they have to somehow pick it up from last season, which they're actually doing pretty well this year in the league, but playing outside of Portugal, they've been really struggling as well. But. They came up with a huge win over Famalicão over the weekend, which put Benfica and Porto in first place, and only for them to drop points in the middle of the week <laughs> with Maritimo, one-to-one, and Benfica capitalized. I believe they played, was it Portimonense? Yes, it was Portimonense, 4 nothing. two goals from Carlos Vinicius. He filled in for Seferovic, who was Benfica's best scorer last year ahead of uh, Joan Felix. So, and that's one thing that we're seeing this year with Benfica and Porto. Porto's, Porto last year, they relied more on their defense than they did on the attack. They had they yeah, had the by I, far I the agree. best defense in Portugal last year and one of the most respectable defenses last year in the Champions League. Their main guy, Philippe, that they sold had the most clearances throughout the entire tournament. So you saw like how much they relied on their defense um, Benfica was all on the attack last year, and they're just yeah. not quite finding the back of the net. You know, you lose player, you, you, you lose Juan well. Felix, yep. your creator. Everything went through him. Seferovic found the back of the net because of him, and how and how how in tune they were with one another. Right now, PZ is the is the highest scorer for for Benfica, and he's and a midfielder. He, and he's a midfielder. So these two teams are very good in the league, but their quality has dropped down from the year before. And it's going to be very, very tough to dictate how this league is going to end up. Up to this point, who do you think has the best chances of winning the league? Yeah, I don't see I don't see Fumbly Kelm continuing this this form. It's going to eventually <laughs> die out. You could probably you could possibly see Spartan catch up, but you can't just rely on this on on them. They drop points to to middle of the table teams, bottom of the table teams, and it's just it's very frustrating. You can't, I don't see them catching up. Braga is nowhere to be found this year. Yeah, as opposed to last year. Yeah, uh, and all the other years they usually finish in fourth place. They just they are nowhere to be found. They are not themselves. They they just do not look good. Braga is currently sitting right, pretty much right in the middle of the table at tenth place. Tenth place. I think they were thirteenth earlier this week. I'm not sure. Not sure, but... 10th place with a minus three goal differential. 
Yeah, that's not good. Especially is Braga would always finish high above in the in the positives yeah. by the end of the season. They've they've always been that. They've always been a top five team. They've been always whether they're in second, third, fourth, fifth. Yep. They're they're always they're always in the top five. They've always been a, a respectable team in Portugal. It's just you know you have Porto and Benfica, and then you have Sporting. That's a slight tier behind them, and then. Braga right below, right below uh, Spartan. But Braga was that team that would stand up against Benfica, yeah. Porto, and Spartan. They could and come. They could take away points yeah. from you. They cause that's upsets. never a good. That's never a good game for either of those teams. Mm-hmm. Even though Benfica made a habit of just always winning in Braga, but mm-hmm. they could always take points away from those the top three teams. But to answer the, your question. It's going to be very, very tough. It's going to go down to the wire again, I believe, Porto or Benfica. But I think I am going to be unbiased. He's going to try, is what he's saying. He's I think try Benfica be is going to win the title this year, unless if they just completely melt down. But I think they will win the title this year because they have, they have a more stable team and by stable I mean they they have played together for a while they didn't lose too many players mm-hmm. and Porto it's just new faces they just they lost their identity Sergio Conceição is losing his head with all these players he's switching formations unlike he did last year he usually played a 4-4-2 sometimes a 4-3-3 every now and then or even in the middle of the game he would switch to it but now he's just He's just switching. He's all over the place, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the loss of, of under, uh, not under Herrera, Hector Herrera. Hector I always, Herrera. I always confuse those two. Oh, dude, same I have to, like, pause. <laughs> when, whenever I'm talking about e- the either either under Herrera from PSG or Hector Herrera, who's now at Atletico, I always have to, like, pause for, like, five seconds. Like, which one is it again? Like, but he meant so much for that team, for Porto. He oh, was yeah. the spirit. He was the captain. The, like the energizer bunny of that team. And he, he was the heart and soul. He wasn't the most talented, but he was the one that brought the best out of every single player. And Porto's lacking a player like that right now. But yeah, I think Benfica, if I were to put my money on it, I would go with Benfica. But I wouldn't be surprised if Porto went away with it mm-hmm. because it always comes goes yeah, down to the it wire. Could be, it could be a very close race. Yeah, for sure. It I... It sounds, it's super easy to say this, but I think it's going to come down to, it's going to be a nail biter at the end of the season. The last couple of games are definitely going to decide it. However, I would not be surprised if Porto gains some momentum in the second half of the season and Benfica might drop a, you know one or two games that they really shouldn't be dropping and that might lift Porto up you know those couple extra points to put them past Benfica. With that being said, I still think that Benfica will be able to edge them out at the very end when it's all said and done. All right, boys. So we sent out on Twitter earlier this week trying to gather some questions for us that you know fans and listeners can ask us that we will answer during this episode. And we got a few responses back, and I'm looking forward to touching on a few of them and getting your guys' thoughts. So this will be the last thing that we touch on today. But first one is from Farinu underscore 10. And he's asking, what is Erling Holland's ceiling and is he likely to move next summer? Well, we talked about him on the last episode. Yeah, I think we mentioned him briefly. Scored a couple of goals against Napoli. He poured in another one away this weekend. This kid's really good. 18, 19 years, 18 years old, I believe he is. Norwegian product. 
he's really good. He's got a big body. He's strong. He knows how to shield um, the defenders away. Finishes very well with both feet. And believe it or not, he's quite, quite pacey. Good control. Good uh, good p- positioning. Anticipation from the, the crosses. He knows where he needs to be to get in the back end of the crosses and just put the ball away. It's hard to really predict where these young players are going to end up being because you see a player break out like this and you're like, oh man, he's he's the next big thing. He has to be the next big right. thing. But we've seen over and over again that it doesn't really it doesn't really happen that way. But with him, I f- I'm kind of a little convinced. I see something different. I see something different in him, in him, and I think he can be a very very good striker, a great poacher. And if I were to choose a team. It would be Manchester United. They're very, very heavily uh, linked to him. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who is also from Norway, is the one that coached him at Mold. Coached him at Mold a couple years ago, and he's the one that gave him his first debut. So he's very familiar with him. And, you know, that's what Manchester United needs. They need a new striker because Rashford is just not, he's not hacking it. I wouldn't be surprised in January that they make some sort of deal with him. But I've also read what Juventus is now interested in him. Yeah. Yeah, I've been reading the same things. Don't worry. <laughs> so I'm not really sure if that... I, I don't see it happening because they have so many so many strikers up top. But I don't know, Joe. You tell me. Do you, th- you see this deal happening? I see the logic. I, I understand it. But I'm like, we had, we had Moise Keane. Like, why would, we, why would we do this? That's exactly what I was thinking about when I saw Juventus... This is just all reports, so there's nothing, yeah, there's there's nothing, nothing legitimate or confirmed. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. They just sold Moise Keane, so why would they go out? I don't know. It doesn't look. I think it doesn't seem right. I think it's because we just don't we don't own him anymore. So we're like, oh, now we're like, oh shit! Now we need another uh, a striker because all of our strikers are getting older. Yeah. So that that's the only logical reason I can think of for the move. But uh, yeah, the, I think this kid is really good. Yeah. I, and I even remember him saying in an interview, he was he was talking about, like, he got asked a question like, oh, um, do you think you can keep this up? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Like, I'm going to catch Kylian Mbappe. I'm going to be winning the, the golden ball. That's, that's, that's what the he menta- wants. That's the mentality to have. So I, I think he's going to be very good too. Maybe one of the best in the world when he's in his prime. But Manchester United, I think, is going to be the team that's going to that that take him. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to play a huge part in him going uh, going to Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. All right, so next question on the list. <clears throat> We've got one here from Danny Saldana. And Joe, I'm going to throw this one over to you first before we get Rui's take. But Oh, boy. Danny asks, does Inter have a real chance at winning the league this year? And also, who wins the MLS Cup? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, well, to answer the first part, does Inter have a real chance of winning the league? I think it's it is very realistic. It is extremely realistic. They look really good. It really all depends on Juventus not making mistakes and Inter trying to catch up. That could happen. Um, that's really what it's going to come down to. Which team will make the least number of mistakes? Juve beat Inter in that. That was a really crucial game, and Juve looked really good. That's not to say that Inter didn't. And Inter's kept that form going for the most part. So, yeah, the the chances are there. Uh, it's just can Inter keep up? I don't think so. You don't think like there's no not so. a snowball's chance in hell. I think I think they're gonna play well. 
for about two thirds of the way into the season and things are just going to start falling apart. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not joking or being facetious I know, I can see it in your face, yeah. One thing, the one thing that this reminds me of is Napoli from a couple of years ago where they played very well for a long time, but they just didn't have the depth. They didn't have the depth on the bench to bring in fresh players, you know, players with quality so you can replace the players that are coming off. And that's what really costed them. Towards the end of the year for Napoli, that what costed them the Scudetto was them just being drained. And they were exhausted. And that's one thing that that Inter don't they don't have is depth. And eventually it's going to catch up to them. And if they keep going on in the Champions League and the Coppa Italia, all these minutes, all those miles... They're going to catch up eventually. So I think Juventus, I think Juventus are going to take the the league this year because of that. Yeah, and you know what? To go back to your point, them not having depth, I haven't heard Antonio Conte complain this early in the season that he doesn't have the players that he wants. Usually, he he's notorious for mm-hmm. for doing that, but this is, it's really early. Not to mention that this squad was tailor made, tailor made for this guy. Yeah. So well, yeah. maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll have his magic work. Maybe he maybe or he they will. pick up a couple of guys in the transfer window. So it's still early. Um, That's what I'm calling happens. If Inter continue with this form, yeah, it's it's possible. They'll put up a good fight. It's this is the tightest that the league has been in a a very long time. So it's exciting to see. Yeah, there's only one point separating Juve and Inter right now. Juve with 26, Inter with 25, and and then uh, Atalanta's. Not very far behind them with 21 points. So me personally, at the end of the day, I think Juve will take it. But like Rui was saying, and you guys were both saying, if Inter is able to maintain this form and and can really keep up with Juve from now until the end of the season, I think they actually have a really good shot at winning it because we don't know what's going to happen in the Champions League down the line. With uh, Juve, I mean. Yeah, yeah. If, if they have a real legitimate shot at it, and you know they're moving on to the semifinals, finals. Maybe they they don't purposely let off the gas a little bit in the league, but they might shift their focus. They might the shift Champions their focus, could, you know. And that's uh, entirely possible. And vice versa. Say if they get knocked out early, then Juve is obviously going to put all of their focus into the league. And then at that point, yeah, that's I, a good point. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't put my vote in Inter's favor at all. I wouldn't put my money on Inter at all. But the the second part of that question: uh, Who wins the MLS Cup? Well. We have a final on our hands now. We have it between uh, the Seattle Sounders and uh, Toronto FC. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting contest. I feel like if I had to put my money on it, though, they were the two underdogs in the semifinals. Yes, that's why that's why it's so hard for me to pick a clear winner because I I don't think there and, is one. And both of them weren't really that that convincing. No, if you look at from a stats perspective, yeah, for sure. Both of them had pretty low possession. Um, well, Atlanta, you know, they're, they're the reigning champions. LAFC were the best team in the league this year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a surprise. It's a real surprise. So I'm going to be very un-American, and I'm going to go with Toronto FC. For some reason, I'm just going to go with them. They were Jovinko's team, so I'm going to go with Toronto. Now, that's not the reason why. I think that Toronto, I think Toronto can pull it off. I think that they have, they do have good players. I mean, they have Michael Bradley. That's Zlatan's favorite player. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm not entirely convinced by Seattle Sounders. 
just because, I mean, they did play LAFC uh, and still beat them, but... I'm going with Toronto because they're mostly the underdog. The Seattle Sounders, they have a little bit more experience. And they've won it before, actually. I think they went to three out of the last four finals or something like that. But they just have more experience. But I want to see a new team, you know, stand up and take it. So I'm going to go with them. I'll put it in. I'll put it in this perspective. If you bet money on this game, put it on the Sounders. But my heart's telling me Toronto as well. Yeah. Me personally, I'm going to have to go with Seattle. Oh, of course. I mean, USA versus Canada. I mean, got to stay with the American team. You know what I'm saying? So not only that, but. Even despite me hating their football team with a burning passion, um, <laughs> I do like the city of Seattle. I've heard great things about it. The NHL is also putting a new franchise in there within the next com- couple of years, so that's pretty exciting. And, and they uh, were wrongly stripped of an NBA team too. They, I was just about to say, sorry. Seattle, Super, <laughs> Seattle SuperSonics were great, and I wish they hadn't moved to Oklahoma City. So yeah, yeah, that's what I got. That's it. I mean, not much of a... a no, those aren't... They're not the best soccer yeah. reasons, but... Anyway. All right. So one more question on the list, and this one's kind of a silly one. George reached out to us. He had a question. He seems a little frustrated. He reached <laughs> out and uh, he says, have you guys ever watched any other league matches outside of Serie A and Liga Nosh? I am deeply offended. <laughs> George, I want to ask him: Has he ever watched any outside legal? <laughs> yeah, outside. Of I mean, Liga. I've seen Leon wet the bed a few times this year. Does that count, George? Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. I mean, I of course have I ever have I ever seen any other league matches? Yeah, I you know. Yeah, we went to Argentina to watch a league match. Yeah, God. I think we were at a pub and we were watching Ecuadorian football. So Joe and I've seen Ec- the Ecuadorian league. <laughs> The Argentinian league. We're actually we, we've been We're following that deep, a lot yeah. ever since. Yeah, we ever since we went to our trip in Argentina, we followed it a lot. Joe, you're a big River fan. River I'm fan. I'm a Boca fan. We pretty much have watched all the leagues. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to keep up and watch every single one, but we do follow all of them as much as we can, and we try to try to be all kept up with all the stats and all the all the breaking news and everything that everyone wants to know. That's why we 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 did this episode. We wanted to talk about IX because they're a very interesting team, and the Eredivisie has always been that league that's it goes under the radar. Young sure. talent, and it goes under the radar, just like the Portuguese league. And that's why we wanted to to do this episode. I think that this is also a roundabout way of George asking, I "Are we going to do a Ligue episode?" And no, I think yes, there's, I think it's something else. I think no, George, we will, we will. We're like a couple years to. from now, we probably we're going to do yeah. we're going to do another Leon episode. I promise. <laughs> when the Ligue is great again, we'll we'll do an episode. No, no, no. As soon as I think George as as Leon, wants to get back back on the show, he yeah, wants to talk yeah. about Leon. All you got to do is as ask soon George. As Leon wins the Champions League title. We'll talk about. Oh, come the on. French League. Ooh, that's gonna be that's uh, that's hard, man. <laughs> I think Joe. Uh, I think George wants to talk about like the new shops Ooh, that are opening know, up at the at the Lyon Stadium, stadium yeah. the the mall over there. He's like, oh, you know, we got our own stadium. We got to tell everyone. <laughs> so, you know, we're gonna have to have George on pretty soon. And a great question for him. I think a great topic for us to discuss would be who wins the Champions League title first, Benfica or Lyon? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have Dylan, to. You better, that's a good one. You better write that down. Yeah. yeah. So, but we will. I'm ready for war, George. I'll I'll make a promise to you. Before you come back on again, 
we'll we'll do a little segment on league own just for you man yeah no we'll definitely uh we'll definitely have a little segment on league own pretty soon and uh we definitely want to get george back on so george if you're listening reach out to us we'd love to get you back on as soon as possible and everyone else listening thank you for listening to this episode and as always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions we'd love to answer them on the show for you guys and actually one last thing I was on the Lads podcast and the Unsportsmanlike Conduct podcast a couple of weeks ago. I am a real jerk for not mentioning it on the last episode. So (laughs) I just want to give a shout out to Kevin Kevin Pettit from the Lads podcast. They have an amazing show and it was awesome to be back on there as a guest talking about Serie A. And that's another person we got to have on our show very, very soon. Um, and if you want to give them a follow on their page, it's LADS underscore podcast. That's lads underscore podcast and unsportsmanlike conduct. That's an <laughs> NFL show. Yep. They're awesome. They're really cl- good friends of ours and they do, they, they're wizards. It's one Patriots fan and one, uh, um, and one New York Jets fan. If you guys like football, I totally, totally recommend you guys to, to give them a listen Follow them on on Twitter, and their Twitter handle is UNSM Like Conduct. UNSM Like Conduct, and that's their Twitter handle. Give them a follow, give them a like, five star review, the whole shebang. <laughs>